Hey everybody, welcome back to On The DL Podcast. I am Danielle and I have my partner Lucky with me. And today we have a special episode because it is our first guest interview episode. Okay, and we've got Killian on the line with us. Killian is going to be our first guest, so it's pretty exciting. We actually just talked to Killian um, yesterday, kind of got the the details. We were going to record next weekend, but since we all three of us had a little bit of time, we decided to go ahead and get this rolling today. So Killian, how about you introduce yourself, and if you feel comfortable, you can just go ahead and and get started with your experience. My name is Killian. I was in the Navy. I joined the Navy in November of 2014 and just got out at the end of March in 2020. So when I joined the Navy, I was two months near my 21st birthday, so I was a little bit older than, you know, most people that were going into boot camp and stuff at the time. We went to college. I had a little bit more of like life experience than most people, you know, do when they join, you know, the military and whatnot. Um, I went to A school uh, in Pensacola, Florida, and that is when I kind of had my first experience and first taste of like what sexual harassment and what sexual assault could do to somebody in the military. Um, I had a lot of my friends at the time uh, end up getting separated very, very, very early in their career uh, due to uh, what the Navy calls failure to adapt. So basically, these people were having sexual assault cases or sexual harassment cases, and the Navy chalked it up to, well, you're not fit to do the job. So let's just send you home. Um, so that was kind of a, you know, a real shock to me. Uh, that you can't do a job because somebody had to sexually harass or sexually assault somebody. And then, yeah. And then once you report it, it's like, well, we're just going to send you home. Oh, it seems feasible. Right. So it was, you know, the first taste that I got in the military is like, well, if you get sexually assaulted or harassed, like just don't say anything. Otherwise, you're just going to go home. Um, You know, and it was really crazy some of the things that these girls had been through. And it was really difficult. You know, so I ended up going to uh, Oceana uh, in Virginia. And I ended up out there in 2015 to early 2016. I ended up out there for a C-school. I don't know the reason. I would assume that it was probably due to the fact that they didn't have enough space in the female birthing. Um, so they didn't fly me out to the boat and then, you know, have me fly back for school. But when I got there, I really only knew one person. She had come with me, uh, there from a school. And that's kind of like where I had my first encounter with, uh, you know, sexual assault. And it happened to be, uh, a Marine that I had kind of met around base. He worked, um, on the opposite side of the squadron that I was working on. It just so happened that like one night we were all on the weekend, like hanging out in the smoke pit. And my friend that I knew that was there with me, uh, ended up going up to sleep and went to her room and we were all just like hanging out, playing card games, you know, drinking, whatever. And I got to the point where like, I didn't feel well. And so I told everybody that I was going to go upstairs and go to sleep. 
Um, and as I started like walking up towards my room, uh, this Marine decided that, you know, he was going to walk me up to my room or what have you. Uh, by the time we didn't know him. No, I like kind of knew him because he worked on the opposite side of my squadron. Uh, but I didn't like know him, know him. Does that make sense? How did the conversation, how did the conversation happen where, where, you know, he just decided that he was going to walk you back? Did you start walking back and he, you know, asked you if he could, or how did that conversation go? I just started like getting up and walking to my room and he kind of just got up and said, Hey, I'm going to walk her to a room. Like it wasn't really a conversation. Okay. So I got upstairs and I walked to my room kind of like with him in tow, you know? And by the time I got up to my room, uh, I was blackout, like wasted. Um, I don't know if it was like an altitude change. I don't know if there was something in my drink. Like I, I don't know. I don't know if I just drank too much. I literally have no idea. I just know that I didn't feel well. Um, so by the time I got in my room, and to my room, like I was just, I don't remember anything. You had a conversation with him, like on the way up or anything? No, it wasn't that far. So it was just like up a flight of stairs around a corner and like a few doors down. Okay. So it wasn't like super far. And, you know, I wasn't feeling well. So my whole mission was just to get to my room. Like I wasn't really in the mood for talking, you know? And at that point, I don't think I could have withheld a you know, in a coherent conversation anyway. So, you know, I, I just don't remember, you know, at that point, um, uh, I just woke up the next day in bed and in different clothes and, uh, you know, my body hurt, um, in ways that for women, like, you know, when things have happened, we will just be blunt and say, as a woman, yes, you know, when you have had sex, like you, yeah, you just know. And I started like getting little snippets and little flashbacks of like different things that he had done to me. And I woke up and I checked my phone. I checked like what time it was. And I just had like probably 10 to 15 different text messages from him saying, please don't report me. Like, you're not going to report me, are you? Like, I'm so sorry. Please don't report me. And just repeat it over and over and over again. Um, so basically, it was like, hey, I know I raped you. I know I shouldn't have, but um, can, can we just keep this between us and not tell anybody? Yes, pretty much. And so for me at that time, like knowing everything that I had known in my career thus far about reporting, you know, I was scared to report because what was it going to do? It was going to get me kicked out of the Navy, you know, because that's what I had seen. So there was no point in me, you know, reporting any of that. Um, So I blocked him. I just blocked his number. And you know, he found ways around that. He, you know, got on my social media and I would block him. And then he would find another type of social media and message me. And then what did he you in those messages, the same thing and just apologize. So did, 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 did any part of you feel like you, you couldn't tell, not just because you might get kicked out because you did you have any feeling that maybe you know, you thought that it was your fault or you shouldn't have got 
you know, because um, you say you can't remember. I know a lot of victims feel like they they carry a lot of the burden of responsibility because they put themselves in that situation, quote unquote. Um, do you think that that played a role in? Yeah, in what you're- I think so. Um, you know, that's due to like partially of how like I grew up. Um, you know, was to take accountability for your actions, regardless of you know what it was. Like you take accountability, um, but also you know, kind of like the culture, you know, um, right. I shouldn't have been around people. I don't know. I shouldn't have, you know, been drinking. I shouldn't have been drinking as much as I had, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like, yes, absolutely. I blamed myself a lot, you know, those things that I kind of felt like I played a part in. Absolutely. Well, and also the military does kind of have the whole stigma of, if you're willing to join and you want to be a part of us, you need to get some thick skin and toughen the fuck up. Oh, absolutely. But I already have thick skin. (laughs) So, you know, I guess it just makes it thicker. I don't know. But that was just like, there was no, in my mind, there was no way to report that. I had nobody there. I didn't know anybody there aside from the one person. And I didn't have anybody they're on my side because nobody knew. So was that the only time that you experienced that type of, um, you know, sexual harassment or sexual assault in the military or were there other experiences? Um, absolutely not. That was not the only time. With that situation, I did end up telling one friend, you know, months and months later. Um, but then I moved to... Uh, my parent command, which was stationed in Whidbey Island, Washington. Um, so I found out that one of the people that was in my command was at the temporary squadron that I was at in Oceana. So I already went into this command knowing a lot about this person. And for the sake of this, we'll just call him Bobby. Um, so I already knew a lot about Bobby and his wife. Um, and so I got there, he was, I was an E3, he was an E4 at the time. He ended up picking up E5. And, um, the, you know, first experience I personally had with him was while we were on a detachment, I was on stay back crew. Um, so I stayed back in Whidbey Island and they had gone out to Alaska and it was near the end of the detachment. And I started getting face, me- uh, Facebook messages, um, kind of asking like, like, hey, when we get back, everybody is going to, you know, go to the bar as a command. Uh, would you want to go? Or as a shop, would you want to go? And I was like, yeah, I mean, as long as everybody's going, like, that's fine. Um, and, you know, it kind of turned into like, well, where where do you want to go? Well, Whidbey Island's really small. We only have like a few bars. Um, so then it turned into, well, you take care of the date and I'll take care of the inviting people. And I was confused at that point because I was like, well, everybody's invited, I thought. So why do you like have to take care of inviting people? Um, So he was like, well, you know, I would ask this person, but they're not going to go. And I would ask this person, but they're not going to go either. And, you know, that person's not old enough. And he failed to mention, um, you know, my my best friend in, in the shop. And I was like, well, why not invite this person? And he was like, well, that person's in love with you. And 
I just chuckled at that. And I was like, well, you know, besides the point, I thought everybody was going. Yeah, Bobby, bring your wife. (laughs) Right. And uh, so, you know, Bobby, like kind of finally gets to the point. He's like, well, I just kind of wanted to spend some time with you. And I I lived in the barracks at the time, you know, and I was like, so hypothetically speaking, if you and I go to the bar and we're drinking and you're driving, how the heck am I going to get back to my barracks? And Bobby was like, well, there's a hotel like right next to the bar. And I was like, you are married and I'm in a relationship and you're higher ranking than me. And besides all of those points, like, no, <laughs> you know, I'm not interested. Yeah, Bobby, if you were just trying to fuck, you could have just bought her some flowers asked her out on a date, taken her to dinner. You didn't have to go through all the efforts of pretending like you were hosting some big event. Right. That nobody can go to, but you too. Yeah, it, it was just some bullshit. And then it gets even crazier. So after the whole bar situation and that was debunked, then it turned into, well, so we have three Nalos coming back tomorrow, which are, so Nalos are like the flights that carry the personnel uh, in the command back from like a deployment or like a detachment back to the the command. Um, And so since there were so many uh, people and so much equipment, they had to take three separate flights to come back. And so he just so happened to be on the latest one, which happened to be getting back to Whidbey Island somewhere around like two in the morning. And so Bobby tries to tell me that that the skipper, so the CO had told him uh, that nobody could leave base because the Nalo was getting in so late. And so Bobby had asked me to come sleep in my barracks. And I told him that there was a hotel on base and that there were like four to five other men in our shop that he could go like stay in their room if need be. And I knew that was complete garbage. And, (laughs) you know, just why make something up like that just to, you know, I don't know try to get your point across, but um, that just baffled me. And I kind of just ended the conversation with telling him like, you know, he needed marriage counseling and, you know, got off the phone. Uh, And the next morning, you know, he just tells me that he was drunk and he's sorry and, you know, what have you. Uh, When the command gets back um, from from the detachment, like I ended up talking to one of my very best friends in the shop and he ends up telling me uh, that a girl uh, that he couldn't tell me who it was, but it wasn't very hard to figure it out. Um, had consensually slept with him while in Alaska. Um, Bobby? Yeah, Bobby. But the problem was, was he didn't tell her he was married. Um, so the girl, um, let's just call her Lisa, um, ended up finding out the next day that Bobby was married and was very, 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 very upset. And she ended up telling all of her like peers in her shop and her supervisors and nobody did anything. Um, and Lisa was very afraid of saying anything. She wanted to report it, but she was very afraid of saying anything because she was underage drinking. So she wanted to, did she want to report that he was married and that they had sex or like, what was she trying to, did she Uh have like buyer's remorse kind of where she, if she had consensual sex with him, you know, that she was like, wait, never mind. 
No, she was more upset about the fact that he literally told her the night before that he was separated. He lied to her. And then she found out the next day that he was in fact married and had a child. And so, they were not separated. Correct. Um, so she at that point felt like a home wreck. Sneaky fucking Bobby. Yes. And then not to mention that Bobby on the same detachment was also following around an engaged um, E3 and kind of feeding her drinks and following her around like a lost pup. Um, and, you know, he just has a lot of sneaky behavior, especially when it comes to alcohol and being away from his wife. Um, so she did want to report you know, kind of the adultery and the fact that he explicitly lied to kind of attain an end goal, which was having sex with her. And then, you know, she found out the next day that it was, you know, in fact, a lie. And and she felt really, really bad. You know, she felt like a homewrecker, but she felt like she couldn't report it because she was underage drinking. So what ended up happening with that type of, like with that entire scenario with um, Bobby and the girl and other girls, because obviously he seems to have a fetish for women who are not in fact his spouse. Yep. So Bobby continued his behavior. Shocker. Um, so the next situation, um, that I heard about was, uh, Bobby and Lisa end up going on a detachment in Fallon. Um, and I hear, um, that they had consensually slept together. Um, that is my fault. Like I should have gone to Lisa and kind of clarified things directly. Um, especially because I've known Lisa the entire time that she's been in the Navy. Um, you know, so that that's kind of on, on me for not clarifying. But didn't uh, she, she had slept with him, found out he wasn't separated and then slept with him again. No, that's just what I heard, but that is not at all what happened. Okay. And then can, can, just for one second, can what is how old is Bobby? Bobby is like twenty-six at the time. Twenty-six, and so he's messing with an underage girl Correct. at this point at the age of twenty-six. Okay, just wanted to clarify. Bobby needs uh, to knock it the fuck off. Right. And he's, he's an E five and she's an E three. Great. Okay. So continue. So what happens next? So then we go on a detachment to Pensacola, Florida for like a week. Uh, myself and Bobby are there. Um, our shop takes off like the first night we get there um, to go get dinner and ends up leaving me and Bobby behind. Um, so me and Bobby end up having to go uh, to dinner with a few other coworkers and a few other shops. And, you know, it was okay. Um, we get back from the dinner and we're all kind of hanging out in the smoke pit and drinking a few beers. And I was talking to a few of my IS and yeoman friends. And I go up to grab a beer and I'm halfway up the stairs. I was on the third deck. Uh, my hotel room was. And I turn around and I notice that Bobby's following me. Um, and so I walk inside my room and grab a beer and Bobby's kind of just standing at my door. And I was like, you know, what's up? And he's like, oh, you know, kind of just, you know, what's going on with you? And trying to make small ch like talk. And I was like, nothing, just grabbing a beer. And kind of just shut my door really quick and try to get back down to the smoke pit as fast as possible. Um, you know, so nobody thought something was going on. Because you know how people gossip. Uh, twice. Um, him just following up me up to my room while I was grabbing a beer. The third time, um, I said goodnight to everybody, said I was going to bed. 
Um, got halfway up the stairs again and Bobby's following. Uh, finally he stops outside my door and he starts telling me things like, you know, we can sleep together. It, you know, it'd be okay. Like my wife doesn't look at me like that anymore. Um, I, you know, swear it's not going to be an issue. You really don't have to worry about it. And just trying to find all these things to, you know, kind of persuade me that sleeping with him isn't going to be a problem. Um, And I tell him, like, it doesn't matter uh, regardless of that. Uh, There's still the rank thing. There's still the fact that I'm in a relationship thing. There's still the I just don't want to sleep with you thing. Yeah, Bobby, go look at Pornhub and, (laughs) like, take care of your blue balls that way. Like, you don't have to try to get somebody that you work with to sleep with you get a life Bobby seriously like I don't I don't know why the persistency is just there like I don't understand um so again I tell him like hey you need marriage counseling I'm really not interested I like book it inside my my hotel room I shut the door I like chain it um and I text my coworker, um and I'm like hey I made it into my room safe because like obviously they had noticed that he was following me up to my room and Uh, I was like, I made it inside my room. I shut the door. You know, he had followed me. And his response was, I wouldn't be surprised if he shows up at your room again. And then... Well known that Bobby is just super thirsty, super creepy, and nobody else does anything about it. Yep. And then he mentioned something about like a situation occurring in prior. Um, I tried to ask him about it and he wouldn't like give me the details. Um, the next day, like I go into work and, uh, they're having a bunch of us in the shop, like final checking on an aircraft and like doing, um, you know, just repetitions and whatnot. Well, I didn't need any more. I already had um, the amount of repetitions that I needed. And we had another job come up on another aircraft. So I decided to go work that job. And when I got back into the shop from the job, uh, Bobby was there and he starts chewing me out about why I went on that job and why I wasn't doing the final checking. And I explained to him that I didn't need any more repetitions for the final checking and so I went and did the other job because we had plenty of people doing the final checking and he's just chewing me out. And finally I, I told him, I said, are you, are you mad at me? Because, you know, I'm being a shitty sailor. Are you mad at me because I won't sleep with you? And he kind of just didn't know what to say at that point. Uh, but it finally got to the point that it was, you know, like getting into work and it was like trickling into the workspace. Um, and that's when I started, you know, re- Really having an issue with it. Um, so when I got back from Florida, I ended up being in uh, Fallon for a month and without Bobby. So that was nice. But it gave me like a month to kind of think about like what I needed to hearing from Lisa. And we ended up talking and I found out what really happened in Fallon um, when her and Bobby were there. They did not consensually sleep together. Um, she had blocked Bobby on everything, but Bobby ended up getting her phone number because he never had it from somebody else. And then he ended up kind of stalking her and following her from the smoke and ended up like pinning her against 
against one of the walls uh, on the hone she had to like duck under his arm and run to her supervisors and was like crying talking to her supervisors and again none of them ever said anything so the, she went to them crying mm-hmm. like in mm-hmm. the like when this happens mm-hmm. and they were wh- what did they say like oh just just sleep it off you're good I have no idea what they said to her but um you know they were all females um you know save like one or two but they all knew about it every single person in her shop knew about it and nobody did anything this type of thing makes me wonder like so you guys obviously weren't the first females to go to that um squadron okay how long had bobby been there before you guys got there maybe like eight months yeah i it's just like this type of like behavior that's kind of consistent from the moment that you got there makes me wonder how many times he had done this to someone else that you guys hadn't heard about before you got there or like you know what I'm saying oh, yeah, it, it obviously has worked before because and it doesn't matter if you're talking about the military or if you're talking about the civilian world when guys shoot their shot the way they do it's because maybe they tried it on 10 girls And it didn't work on nine of them, but it worked on one. So if he's still doing this, it's because it probably has worked on somebody else before. And he's trying to find somebody that will work on again. Right. Uh, So when I, when I got back, uh, I ended up talking to my chaplain and I told her all these situations And I was like, I need to do something about this. Like, this is not okay. And she was like, yeah, you definitely need to report it. So I went to my supervisor because I had told my supervisor in Florida that, you know, he was doing this and I was very uncomfortable with his behavior. And he was like, well, let me think about what I need to do. And so I'd given him a month to think about what he needed to do. And so I uh, came back and I was like, so did you think about it? And, you know, he went to my LPO and told him and my LPO pulls me out into the hangar and I show him all the texts. I show him everything that I had um, proof right there in the face. And he tells me that he's going to talk. And so, I asked him. So your boss, your, so an LPO is a boss um, for like anybody who's not in the Navy. But so you go to your boss and you are literally showing proof mm-hmm. of everything that has been happening. And it wasn't just a, an instinctive, like, as soon as you told him what was going on and he's like, yeah, we need to like get this motherfucker to stop. It was, let me think about it. Give me, give me 30 days. And then you check back and he has zero solution still. So then the, you um, you know, just wants to solve it with a talk, which, like I said, this type of behavior has been consistently going on with multiple people. Like, it's not going to be solved with a conversation. And so I tell him that, and he's like, well, give me an opportunity to talk to him. But then he decides to go on leave instead of talking to him. So he takes a vacation instead of helping somebody who's getting sexually harassed and has been a victim from this guy. And I told them there were other people. Um, so I told him, you know, it would, if I took it further, like it would be a simio case. And he was, 
Simeo is sexual, it covers sexual harassment and, you know, a slew of other things. But um, the difference between sexual assault and sexual harassment, sexual harassment is going to be covered under Simeo, which is command managed equal opportunity for people who don't understand. Think like HR. Um, and then Sapper is going to be your sexual assault and that's going to cover all of that. And that opens a few other types of reporting options. Um, so mine would have fallen under Simeo because it was harassed. And so I let my, my LPO know that, and he was totally uneducated and was convinced that it was Sapper. So I ended up having to go through the instructions and pull them out and highlight them. And he was convinced that it had nothing to do with anything because it was uh, not at work and it had alcohol involved. And I showed him in the instruction where, you know, it does not matter. Like, and he still didn't believe me. He was just trying to discourage me from reporting. So I ended up going to talk to the Simeo anyway. And I gave him like hypotheticals. I was like, well, hypothetically, if this happened, um, like how would a person report this? And what kind of report would it be just to give information for my LPO? And so during that time, my Simeo ends up figuring out, obviously, that it was me and it was somebody in my shop and that, you know, I had obviously told my LPO. And so basically he gives me the information and he ends up telling me like, Hey, if your LPO wants to come talk to me like anonymously on Monday and, you know, not give me the names, I can give him, you know, different resources and ways that he can handle this. But he asked me, he's like, isn't your LPO on leave? And I said, yes. And he was like, so how can he have this conversation with this person? And I'm like, uh, you got me there. Like, I don't know. Your your guess is as good as mine. Um, so I ended up telling my LPO that, you know, I spoke with the Simeo and, you know, that he was more than welcome to go talk to him anonym- anonymously and, you know, get the information. And uh, he wasn't very thrilled about that. Um, so I come into work Monday and all of a sudden my my division chief uh, uh, is pulling me out inside uh, to the hangar. And he's asking me, um, you know, things about the situation. He already knew who did it. I didn't tell him. Um, and he's like, I am so sorry this happened to you. I apologize. We're going we're gonna to get this handled right away. There's no reason you should have been treated like this. Um, and he seems genuine, like, at the time. Um, but he already knew because I guess he was training to be the new Simeo. So uh, I guess that the Simeo had told him, hey, this is going on in your division. My chief went to my LPO and figured out who it was, all without me telling him. So it came down to a four-day weekend. I had just picked up E4, and we were going to have a four-day weekend around Thanksgiving. And so right before safety stand-down, which is a really long briefing that everyone hates in the hangar, PowerPoint, so midnight to eight, alone. And my chief manages to find his way into the hangar at like 5, 6 a.m. while I'm there alone. And um, I had watched the night before, so I had watched from balls to eight um, for becoming an E4 PON doc 
on uh, Tuesday after that, that I was going to come find him and my other uh, chief and I was going to file an informal complaint. So you have an informal complaint or a formal complaint. And uh, he told me that I could file a for or an informal complaint and that I could take it further if I wanted. He told me that that uh, he was going to get kicked out of the Navy. And he was like, is that what you really want? You have to understand he has rights too. See you, bitch boy, Bobby. Guess you're getting kicked out. Apparently, except this chief came into the hangar alone and said this to me and basically bullied me into, you know, filing an informal. So what happened with that? So I filed an informal complaint and I sat there with the Simeon. He asked me, he's like, you know, how do you feel like your chain of command has handled this? And I was like, bullshit. Like, I feel like I've gotten pushback from every single person. And uh, he and my chief's in the room too. And I look at him and I'm like, yeah, it's bullshit. I feel like I've gotten pushback from everybody. And he's like, oh, don't worry, your LPO has been counseled. And so for the next eight months, I got treated like shit forever. What, what, ha- what were some things that people did? Like my LPO just talked down to me like all the time, like just treated me like shit, didn't answer my questions about training. When I would ask a question, he would just treat me like I was fucking stupid. Basically just shunned. Uh, yeah, he, um, you know, I was told that Bobby, you know, was going to be allowed to go on detachments because he's higher ranking than myself because we had to be separated, um, you know, and so that made me lose opportunities um, and, you know, things like that to grow in my career. Um, I asked my LPO, what do I do if Bobby's in the smoke pit? And he's like, leave. So instead of, you know, figuring out a solution for, you know, me to not feel shot, I was just told to leave. Right. Um, So you have to tailor your life to accommodate somebody who is sexually harassing and sexually assaulting other people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had other first classes, you know, coming up to me and, you know, asking me like, are you okay? You know, what's going on? Because they just heard the way that my LPO would talk to me. And I'd be like, no, you know, not, not really. Um, you know, but it, it just like, it wasn't, it was not good. Um, and so when I, uh, ended up leaving, um, I, you know, got my eval and I had gone from being an EP, which is like the highest eval you can get to being a P, which isn't the lowest eval you can get, but it's like the most mediocre eval you can get. Especially because it was a transfer eval, which I'm not sure if you guys are aware, but transfer evals don't fall into the same quota as every other eval. You can essentially get an EP for being a shitbag. Because you're not put into a pool with the rest of your people. Yep. So I was unbelievable. Yeah, I was I was furious. And I had so many things on there that like not a lot of other people had. Like I had been sailor of the quarter. I, you know, had volunteer time. I had um, gotten my aviation warfare in four months within checking into the command, which most people don't even complete that in two years. And, you know, so I went to my CMC, my XO and my CO, and I was like, I don't understand why my eval is like this. Like, this is bullshit. This doesn't make any sense. 
And those are the three highest ranking people that are on a ship in case anybody's not Navy. Or a squadron for us aviation folk. But, um, you know, I had told them, well, the downside is with an informal simio complaint, the XO and the CO only get so much information. They don't know the details unless they specifically ask for them. So I had basically just told them like, hey, like this complaint had happened eight months ago. I've been treated like garbage ever since. Why am I getting this eval? And so my exo decided like it was a good idea, um, you know, to have my evaluation debriefed in front of like my entire team. And then plus, um, you know, my uh, MO, which is my maintenance officer and my AMO, which is my AV uh, assistant maintenance officer. And so I kind of had them all there. And that was like the nicest I had ever heard my LPO ever be to me. And they basically went over and they're like, well, this mark could have been higher and this mark could have been higher. And it's like, well, then why the fuck wasn't it? And they chalked it up to, you know, me not being medically fit. And they chalked it up to me being in a different pay grade. That doesn't even make sense. How do you, what does you being medically fit have to do with your evaluation on what kind of sailor you are? It doesn't. Um, I mean, they were saying like I wasn't doing maintenance, but I was still in the hangar and I was still doing like certifications for support equipment and like other things. So I had like qualifications that were out of shop that I was working on that my LPO deleted three times. Um, Pretty sure he just didn't want to look bad because he didn't even have them. I don't know. Like there was so much stuff that I just got screwed out of, but it was just awful. So by the time that I got to my next command. I had been there about two months and I was on convalescent leave for surgery. And I ended up getting called in by my CO of my old command, the one that Bobby was at. And I go in to see the CO and I shut the door and he tells me, what did that chief say to you while you were on watch in the hangar? I'm like, what? Like, how did he figure this out? So then I'm, you know, sitting there and I explain everything and I tell him, you know, kind of how he threatened me into, you know, filing an informal complaint. And he just looks at me and he's like, I'm so sorry. You know, your evaluation was 100% reprisal. He was like, but I am so sorry. There's nothing we can do because the statute of limitations on reprisal is 45 days and it had been 60. So because of their negligence, you couldn't get this taken care of. Yeah. And I told them, I told them when I left the command, like, why is my evaluation like this? But what am I going to do? Run up to the CEO as a brand new E4 and go, well, my evaluation is reprisal because of some harassment claim that I filed eight months ago. Fix it. Like, who's going to do that? But at least I told him that my evaluation didn't make sense to me, but I wasn't going to go super into detail. So Killian, I know that we're kind of strapped for time. I know that you have a little bit left to tell, but we we do have to wrap up, I think, for something that you have to get going on. But I would like to be open to the fact that you you can come back and speak more. I'd also like to go in um, a little bit more on what happened after the Navy and you know how you've coped since all of this happened, what have been your coping mechanisms and what your experience has been like outside of the military, even with you know the VA and how you've gone 
gone through that process and how that's been for you, I really would like to maybe separate this into a second episode so that we can go over those things as well, because I think that's going to be very beneficial. And um, I also have some resources for you guys to share. That would be great. That would be awesome. Yeah. And this definitely, this will give people who are listening an opportunity to come up with questions that maybe they have for you that maybe they felt were unanswered or anything like they want to know more details on certain things. So that'll be a good opportunity for your story. Yeah. And just to let everybody know, I was medically retired from the Navy and I did process like medical retirements and separations. Um, So anybody can feel free to, you know, ask questions about that, like maybe find me on social media or something and ask me there. But Awesome. Well, thank you very much for being on our show today. And just if anybody is listening, we are on podcasts and social media platforms as OTDL Podcast. And we look forward to hearing more of the untold stories of our nation's women in uniform. All right. And then everybody just stay tuned for our next episode.